and we're off. What's up, everybody? This is a uh, podcast, uh, quintessential uh, uh, shit. We're cute. This is the last time we let Jacob open an episode. By the way, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take him out back and d- give, Whoa, give him the old. Give him the old. Give him the old yeller. Give him no, no, the old what? yeller no, 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 for no, no, wasting no, no. my time. You have to put me time. down yet. <laughs> you can't put me down. I can only go up. Cue the music. Hello and welcome to Pop Cultural Quintessentials with Cubed. I am Ruben Kiros, I am one third of Cubed, and I am being joined in the room by both other members of Cube today, or both, all three members of Cube are in the same room. I can't talk right now. I'm too hyped for this movie. Jonathan, introduce yourself. Hello, this is JQ. I'm back from the war. Uh, the resistance did not hold in Tennessee, so, and uh, I made it back for Christmas. So here I am in the room. And to my left, me, it's, it's, it's Jacob Quiros right here. Yes, number three. Number, number tres, because I came out the womb third, last. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like the good Lord says in the book. You know, the first shall be last, yeah, and the, the last, last shall, shall be, be first. first. Exactly. exactly. I am first now. And you know what? You are not, we're, you're not joined by us. You guys are joined. Wait, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I messed that up. I messed that up. I, I tried to. I tried, okay, anyway, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Let's get, let's get on with the show. Currently, um, let's get on. No, no. Currently in Cubed Land or the Kiros <laughs> Brothers Land, um, we are approximately two hours thirty-five minutes from watching Spider-Man: No Way Home. So you know, just like with school, uh, we saved this for the last minute as well. So we finally got through our Spider-Man rewatch, and what a and what a pleasure it has been, truly, yeah. truly a pleasure. And we finished up Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yo, can you well, do me a favor and cut that out, bro? No, <laughs> no, that's all staying in. No, more like Spider-Man: Far From Good. Am I right? Because it's great. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, look, we're gonna give you our thoughts on this film. Um, second Tom Holland Spider-Man film came out. Second solo. Second solo movie came yeah. out two years ago in the before COVID times. Good boy. <laughs> I didn't know we wouldn't see him for two more years. Well, we probably wouldn't have seen him yeah. for two more years yeah. regardless. It's only been two and a half years. The movie yeah. only got delayed six months. It was supposed yeah. to come out June 2021. Yeah, that's okay. Anyways, um, initial thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home in general. In general, um, in general, okay. So, so well, for, for yeah, I, I think first and foremost, um, uh, I, I mean, this is an elephant that we have constantly been talking about and addressing within this room. Um, we, um, all three of us, we, <laughs> all three of us ha- are kind of in in agreement, at least in a broad sense, about the MCU Spider-Man. Um, I, I, they're just, I don't know. We feel, and me personally, I yeah. feel like this Spider-Man is given too hard of a time. Although, when, obviously, after watching this movie, whenever I hear someone say, I don't like MCU Spider-Man, this is the movie I'm going to think of. And it's not because it's a bad Spider-Man movie. It's just because, like, compared to movies from the past, it doesn't delve into the same deep thematic nature of Absolutely. Spider-Man. Yep. Like, people want to, like, take that from this movie and apply it to Homecoming. And that's just blatantly falls mm-hmm. no. but this movie that we've just watched i mean while it doesn't delve into the deeper themes of spider-man to the degree that i would have wanted to it doesn't make it a bad 
movie overall or even a bad spider-man movie there's still a lot of themes that i think are being are handled like really well there are some missed opportunities here and there things that would have been better um if uh like outside of an mcu setting as i have said in past but that doesn't like discredit this movie completely um and like in the next like hour or so we're gonna like talk to you about the things that we liked, the things that we didn't like, the things that couldn't be better, but that's at least my opening thoughts on this. I don't know what you two think. Um, well, I think, like, this movie, you know, like you said, uh, it's a very entertaining movie. Uh, you know, there was a lull a little bit in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but I think, like, action-wise, you know, and visually, this is just... It's all there, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you can't yeah, really, You can't really complain about, like, uh, those, those aspects of the movie. So, um... I do think, I do wish that they did more with, like, his character, um, you know, like, I guess, like, <clears throat> like, they didn't, like Jonathan said, they didn't delve as deep as they could have with uh, Peter Parker and his psyche and stuff like that, you know, and, um, and unlike, uh, like, Spider-Man 2, which, you know, every, I think, like, Spider-Man, like, the, sorry, sorry, Amazing Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, like, two, those two movies, those movies, like, delve into... I don't know, I think, like, dark themes, but I think also, like, they revealed another aspect of Spider-Man that we don't really see as much in this trilogy, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, there's yeah. kind of, a there's kind of like, a, a darkness missing so far in the Spider-Man, but it's also because, like, to, to push back on that a little bit, this is a younger Spider-Man. This is more of a Spider-Boy than a Spider-Man, and I know people hate to hear yeah. that because we all have this ideal of what Spider-Man should be and like should be at all times, but like this is a slow build into something more, and I feel like this movie is a good pushing off point. I think compared to Homecoming, this movie doesn't stand, or compared to Homecoming and even like the rest of the Spider-Man movies that we've seen, um, I feel like it doesn't stand on its own as strongly. Of course, I'm when I say the other Spider-Man movie, I am not referring to the Amazing Spider-Man movies because I like I, I like those movies, but they really don't stand too well on their own either. I like, disagree but, with that personally. Yeah. I think this movie does a fine job of standing on its own. It has the threads from the MCU that run through it with the aftermath of Tony Stark's death and Endgame. Spoilers, but come on. Um, <laughs> if you have not heard about that... Um, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say, find the nearest real estate agent, see what deal you can get on that rock. I know the housing market is looking pretty bad again, um, but, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a market for for uh, mineralogy. Uh, so, yeah. Then you have the aspect of civil war a little bit running through this yeah. in the sense of the barf tech that Mysterio and his individuals are using. Less so, though. Yeah, less so, but it's their motivation. I really, really, like I said in our last episode, I really wanted those Sokovia Accords to apply to Spider-Man a lot more. You, Not yeah. in this movie, yeah. in the last movie. And I do like them bringing back, like, the entire Civil War barf thing. I like them bringing that back. Although, uh, I think in this case, like, interconnectivity kind of is a bit hurtful, but not, like, to an extreme sense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... I, I don't hate it. I do like it a lot, though. 
Um, but I do think that like there is a danger in wanting to interconnect every little single thing that you see. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. This is something that I also kind of said when it came to The Amazing Spider-Man, that danger of interconnectivity. I don't know if I delved into it in the podcast itself, but it's something that I wrote in my notes. Kind of like that idea of having everything being connected. Like in The Amazing Spider-Man, we have it. Oh, Peter's dad made the spiders. The spiders are connected <laughs> it's, to it's Peter. Look how everything is like, yeah, there's danger in that. I don't think it's as bad in here. And I can see why people are still upset that we have a villain that is created by Tony Stark in a way. But like I that's not the part of it that really really bothers bothers me. It's like kind of that need to like be like I think that close. And... Look, the way this movie was positioned, it came out two months after Avengers Endgame, and Kevin Feige called it the epilogue of the Infinity Saga, which is that first collection of films that yeah. went from Iron Man one all the way to Endgame, and then you have this film as a little epilogue before you start Phase 4 with... Yeah. As it technically started with WandaVision because there was a pandemic in between. <clears throat> um, but, <clears throat> anyway, the point being, the film, I think, works in both regards pretty well. In the regard of being standalone, it's a good standalone Spider-Man story that moves his character forward. I, I feel like his character actually has momentum in this film. I know people say he doesn't, but he does. He's recovering from the death of his mentor through his entire run of the MCU. From his first scene in Civil War until the end of Endgames, Tony Stark was a big part of this uh, Peter Parker's life. People are pissed because there was Uncle Ben. I, personally, I could care less because after seeing what they did with Martin Sheen and the Amazing Spider-Man, seeing them kill Uncle Ben a third time might have been even worse. Yeah, and to be honest, it was already pretty bad with Martin Sheen. As like, I said, no, it was horrible. It was, like, <laughs> it was horrible. It's like I said, I feel like that's a worse utilization of Uncle Ben. I hate repeating myself over and over again, but it's worse to include him, to refer to him, and then be like, ah, oh, okay, he's dead, forget it. He's, his death doesn't have that much the of an thing impact was, there. Is that, like, in those movies, it felt like they did it just because it's part of the character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like it was, it was a part of the story, like, really. It didn't really, like, feel connected to the story at all. They just slightly, like, interconnected it with, uh, it with just, everything, all the other explanations later on. But They no. wanted to make a Spider-Man movie. And Mark Webb had a vision for a Spider-Man movie, but then he got, like, sapped with, you have to tell the origin. He's like, oh, shit, I got to tell the origin, or I'll yeah. tell it again, whatever, I'll change a couple things. Yeah. And I feel like the decision they made with Tom Holland's Spider-Man to not include the origin, while controversial. Yeah. I think it was a good decision overall. I yeah. think the character has still had the same arc of Spider-Man. And why why does he have to have the same exact arc? Why is it that Uncle Ben has to motivate Peter Parker? Yeah. Okay. It can be Tony Stark. Yeah. And I feel like they pulled it off. Yeah. I know that's blasphemous to some Spider-Man fans. <laughs> but but you know <laughs> there's you know the important thing about Spider-Man is having that person who's there to guide him, I guess, or that guiding figure. Yeah. And I feel like Tony Stark was enough of yeah. that. He was written yeah. well enough. He's a well-established character. Yeah. Um, and and again, they, I was going to say, and again, in the world of where heroes are already an established thing, where Spider-Man is getting introduced, this is, I think, the cleanest way, again, to introduce him. I don't think... And I know that sometimes in the comics, Peter and Tony don't get along. I know that there are, like, conflicting 
character yeah. things in the comics. Like, yeah, to- Tony is like this wealthy guy. He's more, he's like, he's he's definitely 1%, while Peter is like this lower, poor guy in his 20, class. 30s, yeah. yeah. So sometimes that relationship doesn't work, but in the context of the MCU, this relationship works. It's it's Tony trying to make up for his past mistakes, mm-hmm. trying to find hope in a living, breathing human being to push his ideals forward. And then Peter, along the way, kind of learning about responsibility. And kind of going back to something you said, people uh, argue that Peter has no forward momentum in this movie, that this is him yes, just yeah. retreading the homecoming arc again. I want to push back oh, against no. that. I want to push back against yeah. that. This is not a retread of the old arc. He knows he can't be the next Iron Man. That's already there. He says it continually in this movie. In the but... opening 20 minutes, he there's that scene in the homeless shelter yeah. where they're asking him all the questions and he's like deflecting. Oh, I'm the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I'm the yeah. friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He knows what he wants to be. Um, like he knows he's not the next Iron Man. He knows he wants to be his own thing, but the world isn't letting him. Mm-hmm. This is like a continuation. It's not him trying to be Iron Man. It's him trying to live up to expectations. He knows he can't be Iron Man. He knows that Edith isn't the right fit for him. Like after that, like we're gonna get to that scene. I don't like that scene. But the point is, he realizes that this is not him. This shouldn't be in his hands. It shouldn't be something that he has. He doesn't want that. He is still developing as a character in this movie and it's not a retread i don't think it's a retread. yeah no he he realizes he's flawed and that maintains throughout the entire movie his arc in this is that he thinks oh it's my responsibility to either replace iron man myself fill in that void yeah. or find someone else to fill in that void so yeah. finding mysterio yeah and trying to have him fill in the void that iron man left in the world but yeah. then um, at the end of his arc, which is on that plane scene with Happy, he realizes he has to be his own individual, his own superhero. He can't yeah. fill in the void. So it's different in the sense that he's not trying to be Iron Man literally at this point. Yeah. At this point, he's trying to live up to the, uh, what do I want? The, the shadow, the yeah. shadow, the expectation. Yeah. He's trying to up move, the shroud yeah. of he's Iron Man. He's trying to move out of the shadow, I'd say, more so than filling it. He's like, I have to do it my way we see in this final action scene just how innovative peter is in his fighting technique and how much he's kind of like yeah. using his own yeah. style he's not like relying on karen or like some some like 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 ai or something that isn't spider-man like he's relying on his own abilities he's finding ways to approach this problem in his own way and again there's not a question for him about whether or not he's strong enough to take this on there's not like a moment like in the first homecoming where you have him like lifting up like the warehouse from above him and like crying for help and being like, oh, I got, I got to do this. There's not a moment of hesitation. He's in. He knows he got this. It's just a dude. He's fought, like he's fought Thanos. Did he win? Maybe not. <laughs> but like he was there. Like, and that's another thing I like. I like how he's still like, I, like and people who say that he's not like this friendly neighborhood Spider-Man or that he doesn't see himself yeah. like that. Just look at his first interaction with, with quote unquote Nick Fury, which is what I'm going to refer to him yep. as for the first half of his podcast. Because, you know, no no deep spoilers, but I know there's, a, a, there's, there's an implied spoiler. Uh, we can spoil the yeah, movie. That doesn't matter. The movie's been out for a while. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let me finish my point. Okay, fine. Let me finish my point. Go ahead. Jacob over here, looking like a, like a goddamn like a snack. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, no, keep that in. Keep that in! Stop! Shush! My point is, in that first scene with Nick Fury, um, Talos, whatever, like, Nick is, like, looking to this kid as, like, as, as for help, and he's like, um, 
I can't, I, I shouldn't be dealing with this. I'm like a low level hero. Like I don't deal with it. And he's like, dude, you've been to space. And he's like, yeah, that was because I needed to be. That's because like Parker is in that moment being like, I am for smaller threats and maybe bigger threats when there's no one else there. And he's looking for solutions. Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Thor. He's like, please, anyone that isn't me. Um, there's also a sense that Peter is running away from responsibility in this movie. There's... I, I, there's a certain person who says that Peter's coping mechanisms in this movie aren't realistic, that him wanting to step away from Spider-Man, wanting to pursue smaller things is not how grief works for some goddamn reason. This is Peter trying to come to terms with the fact that he's lost something big and him not wanting to like, take it head on. He's finding ways to deflect it, finding ways to get around yep. it. And it's not like it still isn't haunting him. It's constantly there. Like, Ruben, you have a point about Iron Man's face in this movie, don't you? Yeah. So, it all builds to the scene with Happy and Peter on the jet where he says, everywhere I go, I see his face. Or I don't know if that exact line was in the movie. or yeah. just, No, it's that, that, that yeah. is in the movie. Yeah, that is. Okay. We just I, heard it. <laughs> it's because like, it's in the trailer, and I'm like, was that a trailer line that wasn't 100% sure? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's literally true in this movie. Mm -hmm. From the opening scene with peter parker where he's like with ned in the classroom if you look at the background on the bulletin board there's a couple pictures of iron man there's a lot there's literally the first thing after the marvel studios logo yeah, is, is robert downey jr <laughs> and it's like an Avermorum thing that they made yeah. for the avengers yeah so that's just setting it up the mm. entire movie he's at the airport there's a huge iron man the mural he sees after he uh swings away after getting overwhelmed at the charity uh, event yeah the entire movie the oh the aura of iron man is following him because that's that's his arc in this yeah his arc is feeling that pressure he lost his mentor the world doesn't have his mentor anymore the avengers are no more they literally say that in this movie yeah because at this point the avengers are no more they have broken up dispersed yeah so he's feeling a higher weight of responsibility because they're not present but he's still just a kid. But he's still just a kid. He knows he's just a kid. He's conscious of that now. He knows that he can't take on and the he, world. And he lost five years, if you look at that, too. Yeah. Now, a bunch of his classmates, luckily, got snapped away. So it's not like all his classmates... Coincidentally! Coincidentally! <laughs> it's not like he lost all his friends and they grew up five years. I would have been cool. I that would have been interesting. I think they should have taken at least one or two of them and done that with that. I do think... Well, finish your point, and then I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, um, want to talk about like another thing. No, the point, the point being, um, the blip obviously also has a psychological effect on wh what Peter's dealing with at this point. Um, Peter wants to be just a normal kid, and that's a continuation of the first movie. Mm -hmm. um, he's still dealing with that dynamic, and that's the dynamic I uh, Spider-Man's always dealing with in yeah. like the comic books, any of the cartoon series, even hell, the past films we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Yeah, it's always that battle of I want this normal life. How much of this normal life can I have and still fulfill the responsibilities that I have promised Uncle Ben or Tony Stark or whoever yeah, it is aunt may whatever aunt may yeah. whoever that character is in peter parker's life as long as he's in it's, it's literally the the battle he's always dealing with and that is yeah. the crux of this movie he is dealing with that situation while also trying to navigate the grief of losing his mentor and the big weight he feels on his shoulders yeah. to fulfill 
the role his mentor has left behind. Now, I will say that theme is dealt best at the beginning and at the end of the movie. I agree. I think that the middle, this is the middle, if you let it, listen listen closely, okay? <laughs> if you let that middle section do it, it will. It will make you hate the rest of this movie. It will make you hate MCU Spider-Man. Because admittedly, I'm not a big fan of, of that entire Edith scene or of the scene of him getting the, the night monkey costume and this random woman being like, pick up your clothes or whatever. That is stupid. It doesn't feel like That's Spider-Man. That's the European hijinks aspect of the movie. Yeah. So I, they were going with the John Hughes thing. I know they're, they're going, going with the, you know what they were doing here? This feels like one of the vacation movies. I know they were yeah. doing yeah. that, but like for the character of Spider-Man, that moment doesn't fit. Yeah. Now, have we seen other moments in live action Spider-Man beyond this and beyond MCU Spider-Man that don't fit the character yes absolutely several times but for some reason people will let this ruin the latch onto it yeah. yeah and i'm not gonna act like it's good i did not like it for me that's when the movie dragged to a halt where he's like calling on edith to erase the picture and whatnot i don't like that i understand why the scenes in there i know that this is the the, the um like this is another way of showing Edith's capability. Um, this is a way of showing like like how much P- uh, Peter has taken on from Tony. This is a show of how Peter is not capable of using this technology appropriately as a kid. I get it. I get that that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't fit. And I can't believe that they didn't make some tweaks to it. I can't believe that this is the version that made it to the final cut. But it doesn't ruin this Spider-Man. It doesn't ruin this movie. So many people latch onto this scene. Every time that you hear discourse about this movie, like they miss some of the best mm-hmm. moments here, yeah. which are some of the best live action Spider-Man we've seen. But they they, they hyper focus on this. And it's it, it's upsetting to me. I don't know why. It just is. What are you guys' opinions on that scene? I don't know. For me, I really dislike. Are you it. asking about Edith in general? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Specifically, just... specifically Edith and that one scene. Edith being used to delete the picture on the phone, and then maybe you can lead that into like that. Just okay. Edith. So first off, the acronym that oh, they oh, give to yeah. Edith. <laughs> Very Tony Stark. Yes, very Tony Stark. You feel the presence of Robert Downey Jr. even though he's not... Well, he I guess his picture's in the movie, but he's not in the movie physically. How much do you think they had to pay him for that picture? Who the hell knows, but probably a lot of money. I wish I could get paid Probably a couple thousand, hundred thousand dollars at least, (laughs) if not reaching at least a mil, maybe. Um, (laughs) But yeah, even dead, I'm still the hero to give the acronym I was referring to. I mean... Just hilarious. But speaking on Edith itself and the sequence specifically where Brad Davis is taking this picture of Peter Parker in a compromising position and then Peter accidentally sends a drone strike on Brad Davis. Um, Oh, by the way, is is that like a character from a comics or is that just a random name? Because I know they have habits of that. I think it's an obscure-ass character from the comics if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, I, look... It's just back to the nature that this is a flawed character. Mm. Peter Parker is a flawed character. He's still trying to grasp the responsibility he's been dealt, and he's making a mistake in the scene. Now, was it the best way to do it? Absolutely not. Yeah. Did I find it funny at sections in the scene? Yes, I found it funny. I did not. I know you did not. Yeah. Um. But, you know, I don't see it as that harmful to the film as a whole. Or I to think, the character. Or to the character. May I refer you to Raimi 3, where this, 
where Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is dancing in a jazz bar and slaps the shit out of Mary Jane. Yeah, I personally, I don't feel like the scene's out of place like you do. I feel like the scene still fits the overall arc the character is going through um, of having to deal with the responsibility of what he's been giving, giving and then showing him stumbling with it. It's yeah. not the strongest scene in the film, yeah. but I still think it's not like some random scene they just stick yeah, in there that makes I, no sense. I just, I, I, I feel like I'm hyper fixated or fixated, fixated, whatever. I'm an English minor man. <laughs> I think it's fixated. Yeah, it's fixated. I, I just, I'm hyper fixated on this scene because like I'm trying to grapple with why this is the scene people always talk about when they say they don't like Far From Home and then they miss everything else that's working. There are things beyond that that I don't think work very well in this movie, but I don't think they ruined it. And we'll get to those. We'll we'll get get to to those. Yeah. One, for example, is Aunt May. I feel like I, this is like the one point. And look, oh, that's the this, worst. This is, this is the one that you will never hear me say this again. This is the one thing I halfway agree on high top with is that they should have. They should have. Yeah, I do agree with them. Yeah, they yeah, should have taken care of May better. Um, I think May should have been more kind of like like hesitant to having peter being spider-man i feel like I there should have been more of that thought of hey i lost my my husband to like like violence and i don't want to lose you that way too and there's a lot of interesting stuff. like people give shit to mcu spider-man but i mm. think it's mcu may that's being mismanaged or misused yeah, i yeah. look because like the movie starts with her just like you know presenting him to a crowd yeah and then after when they like go back i don't know it just seems like she's she's uh she's too chill about yeah, it she's too chill about it. and if you watch if you watch like homecoming and then go to this movie like there's no reaction in between yeah oh yeah there's a missing there's missing character beats yeah. in, in yeah. that sense there's missing character that's a problem that the mcu has is that sometimes things will happen off screen and it's kind of upsetting that you don't get to see them yeah. and that's that's part of the nature of the cinematic universe they let the filmmakers do whatever they want and yeah. part of the issue with that is um they will sometimes set things up that don't have like the payoff that you want yes yeah. and it's a shame but it doesn't mean that it ruins it completely yeah. i don't i think this is a, a weakness of the movie i don't think it makes or breaks the character it's just upsetting to me that it's not i think more what tight. they were setting up in homecoming i think i mentioned this i might have mentioned this in the last podcast and if i did apologies um but i feel like what they were setting up is aunt may was going to be concerned when she found out peter was spider-man and i yeah. feel like they set that up in that scene where they're in the restaurant in the first movie and um, the TV shows Spider-Man, and she literally tells him, if you see something like that, turn around and go the other yeah. way. So, And then uh, when Ned finds out that Peter's Spider-Man, one of the lines that Peter tells him is, with everything she's gone through, she would freak out. Yeah, which is, so, you want to see that. That's you want to see that, because, like, obviously, that's what's going to yeah. happen. I mean, she yeah. lost Ben. Yeah, you know, and she's not. She'd be scared that she'd lose Peter too. Yeah, and I feel like that's what should have happened. Now, what I think the issue was, John Watson get to implement what he wanted to do there, because there was an Avengers duology coming up that yeah. wrapped up the entire and story of the MCU. Five year gap in between. Yes, those it two creates days. a five year gap. I think she gets snapped away, and at that point is the biggest issue that her son yeah. is a superhero or did this genocidal purple man snapped his you know fingers what i would have loved to see but <laughs> i would have loved to see where i think i think this could have been done maybe a bit better and now we're getting to mcu stuff so and i hope you i hope 
our listeners do not mind that we delve into that MCU. I mean, stuff. it's so intertwined with yeah, the MCU. It's literally, yeah, it's literally to impossible about, yeah. to talk about this Spider-Man without talking about the greater MCU. Oh, absolutely. And, and specifically this movie. I mean, like you, it, I think you need you need a lot of context for this movie. You need the Avengers like movies, and you need like the Iron Man trilogy, you need like Civil really, War, yeah, as well. Civil War, and all of that to understand where where uh, where this actually is like standing in yeah like, rel- rel- relatively uh, rel- relative relative. <laughs> oh, Relatively, Re- no relativity Relati- to everything else. It's relatively. Oh my god. Relatively. All right. Well, whatever. You learn you something new every day. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope you. Uh, yeah. I, anyway, my, my point. It's okay, but we all make mistakes. Yeah. You know, this is our like, first time, buddy. First time. No. Um. The point is, like, in that introduction scene for Spider-Man in Civil War, maybe rather than having him be on the school bus, um, with Ned and the rest of his yeah. classmates. Have him like be in the apartment and he sees this going down and he gets in the Spider Man costume. Oh, and you have like an interaction between him and May there where it's like they've been, this is like something that's ongoing, but you get a snapshot of maybe like a middle point. Oh, that would have been brilliant. That would have been great. That would have been brilliant. Listen, I I, I also want to say something here that I wasn't able to say when we did our our kind of special episode rewriting Amazing Spider Man 2. Uh, Ruben and I and Jacob to some extent, when we try to grapple with things like this, we're not trying to be like, oh, we could have done this better. Oh, we on. have something that these writers don't have right now, which is hindsight. And they don't have that in the moment. Oh, yeah, when they're making yeah. that. It's you know how hard it is to make a film like this? How many yeah. moving parts there are? Yeah. Like, these films don't get done until a couple days before the premiere just because of the visual effects. I bet that this Far From Home movie... Probably they finished it the Monday of premiere week. And yeah. the one movie we're going to watch today, they probably finished it on Monday. Yeah. Or Sunday, because it premiered on Monday. Yeah. But... Yeah, but that's the, like that's the thing. Like a- anyway, but like I feel like that yeah. you would have added that scene into Infinity War, something in between this and that. I feel like that transition would have been a lot smoother. So have Uncle Ben get brought up there, even if it's like because I on- can't fault the Russo brothers though, because they were juggling a yeah. lot of shit with the that movie. The fact that that movie is as good as it is is crazy. I do not blame them for it that. Is- Infinity War is a feat in cinematic history. Now, it, I'm not saying it's the best movie ever made. Yeah. I'm just saying the it's... fact that it stuck the landing and juggled 40 different characters is impressive. It's crazy. And that is all I will say on that because this is a Far From Home podcast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that would have been nice. I think, like I said in the last episode, May is your gateway to grappling with the concept of Uncle Ben in mm-hmm. these movies. Right. And... By having Aunt May not grapple with that, by having her kind of like get into this summer fling with Happy without grappling with that first, it feels like an undermining of the character. I don't think it's really Peter's or Spider-Man's like having like a lack of character development. Like I said in the last episode, I think that this Peter was maybe too young when when Uncle when Uncle Ben died to even remember him that well. But Aunt May has to grapple with that. And when you have someone like Marisa Tomei, you also got to take advantage of that. Like, she's no Sally Field or Rosemary Harris, but, like, she can hold her own. Well, we'll see, because I think there are they, we are getting this Spider-Man's origin in that cartoon series they announced. Yeah, the Spider-Man fr- freshman, freshman year. year. Yeah. We are going to probably see Uncle Ben die a third time. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> everyone, and everyone gets hyped. But, <laughs> yeah, with what we have now, and, and maybe that series can flesh it out and expand it to the point yeah. where, like, it makes this retroactively a little bit better. I feel like they can. They can a little bit, but yeah. I, I agree with you. What it feels like is it's missing a, a film or an appearance in her arc. It feels like these are two extremes. Yeah. You leave her in one extreme and you reach her reach her where she's like already 
gone through the arc of accepting the Peter Spider-Man. Yeah, we you needed that. We, that, we needed, needed that Infinity that. War scene. I feel like they should have let... When the Russo brothers were making like Infinity War, I feel like a good idea would have been to maybe consult the directors who were working with some of those other characters. I think they, they did. They did. I, I think they did. But like, have them be a part of that. At least that beginning, when you're having the characters come together at the beginning, have them have more of a say of how those characters are being introduced. Because like, I don't mind an Infinity War having Peter be in like the school bus, and yes, it's a cool Stan Lee cameo, and it's a funny moment, but. Yeah. Again, that's another problem with the MCU sometimes is that they will take a funny moment over like a more like a moment of greater gravitas, which is kind of upsetting because when the MCU does take moments that are like when it does make moments of gravitas, like that happy scene we were talking about earlier, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So it's like, dude, stop trying to be the funny guy. You can say something great here, which I can relate to. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Moving okay. on from Aunt May. Um, what do we think of Samuel Jackson's performance as a version of Nick Fury? Let's call it Jacob. Let's start with you. What did you Samuel think of Jackson's performance? Yeah, in this movie, or uh, how the character was utilized in the movie. You know, like watching this back, honestly, like you can see how this is not his character. Like this is not oh, yeah. like Nick Fury that we all know. Like, yeah, you could you could tell that this is like you know. This is uh, a, like a scroll or whatever. Yeah, like I love someone trying to imitate him. Yeah, there's like so many hints in the movie, and I, and I honestly credit to the acting and the writing there, like with like the lines and then his delivery too. I mean, I think that seals it. Yeah, you know, sells it. It sells it. It seals it. Sells it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, I I enjoyed his performance. Um, I do think for some reason. Uh, what, what was I gonna say? He's a man. Like he's a harsh as hell. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know he's rough. He's, he's rough, rough on Peter. I Peter. like. I don't like how mean this Nick Fury is to Peter. I do like how Peter pushes back against it. I do like how it keeps that idea of Peter being chosen to like fill this big match. I like how it keeps that present. Right. Yeah. It's a good way of keeping it present. It feels very out of character for Nick. And obviously, on a second like watch through, it makes more sense. Um, but like it still feels just slightly out of place i feel like that's why for me for me at least when i mark where this movie lulls like when i, I talk to the middle section law i think it's from the moment that peter first meets nick fury meets mysterio all that introduction mm -hmm. up until the battle with the last quote unquote elemental um that's where the movie drags and then it picks right back up and we have another like a good spider-man like a really really good spider-man movie again yeah. but i feel like it really does drag there and this movie is trying to grapple with so many different things because of the mcu that it can't like flesh everything that it wants to out completely again does not mean that it trashes the rest of the movie though now what i am curious about this nick fury and I think I mentioned this while we were watching the movie. We could call him Talos Fury. That's what we Talos Fury. Now, no, but that's my point. Was this always supposed to be Talos Fury? Or did they develop that after they tested the film and maybe test audiences said, this isn't Nick Fury, it's too out of character. And they're like, okay, let's film this post credit scene, make it a scroll, and then it fits. I, I, I feel like it's, no, because like, I feel like, some of the writing itself like does hint at the fact that this is not the Nick Fury we know. And also some you know of the performance aspects. The performance aspects. Like I feel like they did this on purpose. Like they they had this in mind from the start, mm. I think. No, they could. I, they could. Because they, they planned stuff out at Marvel. Maybe like there was like an earlier draft of this film and like 
uh, or, or something. I don't even know. Like maybe they had some scenes of with Nick Fury and then, uh, and like Samuel Jackson did do some of the lines and all that stuff, and he uh, delivered it in such a way that didn't make it really feel like his yeah. character. Like that character was the exact same character as the other movies, uh, the characters we've seen in other movies. Yeah. yeah. But like, I I do think like uh, if they did get some input in an early stage, they went all in. Because yeah. it feels yeah. like they, they chipped it, they all they went all yeah. in into this like Nick Fury who's not really Nick Fury, you know. No, it was crafted. Okay, it was going like, all in. We're playing gin rummy. It yeah. was, <laughs> and you have a point because the actors do different takes. So eventually, when they decided to go in this direction, they chose the takes that made the most sense yeah. to fit. And that what I think, as as someone who's an aspiring writer, mm -hmm. is that I what I think is that maybe it didn't start out like that, but early in the script they were writing it and they're like, man. How do we make this work? This can't be Nick Fury then. Because like as when you're writing a story mm -hmm. and you want it to go in a certain direction, obviously you want things to work a certain way, but at other times you have to make little tweaks to what right. you're doing to make things make sense. Or like, oh, I want this to happen, but for this to happen, this needs to change. For that to change, this needs to change. And slowly you you start uh like constructing an, like a story that turns into something even better than it has been, or something that's just different, maybe not better, but like a different yeah. output. I think that's maybe what happened here is that they started out writing it as Nick and then maybe somewhere in the middle of that script writing phase, they were like, yo, okay, but how are we gonna, why would Nick Fury do it like this? Like, why would he contrive it so that he can move from one place to another so that we can like maximize that, like, the vacation he, angle? Why would it be okay with like Mysterio being like the guy in like, Why wouldn't he be charge? suspicious of Mysterio? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know? the last time he he like, yeah, the last time he trusted someone, he lost an eye. Exactly. To a cat. Ruben, Ruben, not my head cannon. So like, he seems like <laughs> or something that looks like overly trustworthy of like every well not like not everyone he meets, but like a lot of a lot more people. He's more he, trusting than he's more trusting than he usually is. Yeah. in this movie, yeah, I would say and, it's not the uh, Nick Fury from where's he have the most? Uh, Winter Soldier. That's his. Say, that's his biggest arc. It's not the. Arc. It's not the Nick Fury from Winter Soldier. Mm, no. no. Or not even the Nick Fury from Captain Marvel because that Nick Fury. I mean, while he wasn't as distrusting, he was a different person then. Yeah. So a yeah, it's happen. not it's not that character. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do like the little bit part Colby Smolders has in here. Yeah. Um, underutilized. underutilized. I want more Colby. She is in Secret Invasion. That was confirmed along with the rest of that cast. You see, now we're gonna find out how we how how they did meet that mother. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Oh. Let's just get to it. Mysterio. Let's talk about Mysterio. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance as Mysterio. The entire evolution of Mysterio from hero to villain throughout this film, which was, I think, brilliant on really Sony's like part. Sony, <laughs> the track record of spoiling stuff in the marketing, especially with The Amazing Spider-Man 2, they spoiled everything in that Literally movie. everything. Uh, there's not a, there's, there the, is the not a scene made, at the end. The final shot of the movie was in the last trailer. There's not a single story beat slash sequence that isn't like referenced to in those. Like, but in the trailers for Far From Home, yeah. they sold Mysterio as a hero to the point where even people who know Mysterio from the comics, they doubted. I was even, I was, I was one of them. I was like, this man is an asshole. And I know Quentin. And then I'm like, Wait. And part of that is Jillian Hall's performance. Uh, but, you know, yeah. let's just get into it. Jacob, yeah. what are your thoughts on Mysterio or Jake Gyllenhaal or whatever aspect of it you want to talk about? One thing I have, Mysterio. one question, one question. One Mysterio! Question. You think Tom Holland could smell him? 
think you could smell Jake Gyllenhaal like when they were uh, filming. Ruben, okay. After not showering. To me? give to give context to that joke, people, let me let me explain a little quick. Well, you know, like there was this entire thing where celebrities were pitching in on how often you should shower, and Jake Gyllenhaal was just like, "The human body cleanses itself," and everyone was like, "Except the, the the shit did you just say?" <laughs> Um, so, um, I'm in, I'm in concurrence with Jacob. Uh, a lot of people say there are no practical effects in this movie. Uh, I disagree. All the, every single green cloud that you see in this movie is, <laughs> is Jake. It's Jake. He admits that. He admits that shit. It comes yes. off his body. Yes. His, yes. When he first shows up and he comes out of the smoke, that, he, he, that was improv. That was on the. That was off the dome. That was on the. No VFX. That's why that hall is so used to his stench that he can control where it goes. He can walk. I like to think that when he like, when he when he, in his first introduction scene where like make Maria Hill and Nick Fury look that surprised. That's actually Kobe and Sam. They're like, how did he? How do you make that cloud? But like they, they said they were gonna do this in post. <laughs> okay. All right, but Back on yeah, seriously. What do you think seriously. about Mysterio? Uh, honestly, I, I like it. I like him a lot. I like him a lot in this movie. Um, I like how he's like more of a complex. He's not like fully like this is the thing I like about both this uh, Homecoming and Far From Home villains is that they have some complexity yeah, to them. Absolutely. They have a lot of complexity to them. They're not just like single sided or one sided characters. Anymore. Yeah, one dimensional. One dimensional. Yeah, one dimensional characters. And um, it, it, I mean that that also like it, it make it helps you like relate to them. I think for one thing, but it also just like um, it, yeah. I mean that's the I mean main, mainly that's the reason why they do it. It's like yeah, it, help, it makes you relate to the, the, the yeah. characters. The villains are relatable in these. The villains movies. are relatable. Yeah, exactly. You, have, you understand why they're doing what they're they doing. They have yeah, clear exactly. motivations and they're logical. You know, rather than turning everyone into lizards. <laughs> you know, humanity is flawed, <laughs> and they must be turned into reptiles. And in both, and in both movies, it just—it's just like Peter Parker's in the way. You know what I mean? And they don't want to like hurt him or anything, like. But he gets in the way, and they're just like, "Well, I'm gonna have to get a, get rid of him." You know yeah, what I mean? What I so like about that too is that people will take that and be like, "Peter doesn't have his own villains." And they'll be like, Peter, this Peter is constantly cleaning up after Iron Man. But what we see here is Peter seeing how an idol of his can have like a harmful effect on the people below him. In the first movie, like I said, Vulture being like, no one's out there to look out for the little guy is what basically inspires Peter mm -hmm. because just because of the line recall, it's what inspires Peter to be like, no, I can't be an Avenger. Mm -hmm. I can't be taking these big responsibilities. I have to be the one that's looking out for the little guy. Right. He's there to do that. In this movie with Mysterio, what we have is Peter kind of grappling with, with, with again, like, okay, it doesn't, somebody doesn't have to be larger than life to make a difference, or they don't have to be like Tony Stark to make a Absolutely. difference. Or like, and then there's also that entire motif of truth that is then introduced, which I think is yeah. the real the meat, meat and potatoes of like I mean, the I think that that's, yeah. but like there's something being learned here and i like how how like these characters also introduce a critique of like the superheroes that we follow people like to act like uh tony stark isn't kind of like lambasted in these spider-man movies to an effect but look <laughs> at what he's doing how like we're seeing how this man even though he's trying to constantly work for the greater good mm -hmm. is consistent consistently hurting people and disregarding them for his own benefit. It's just the nature of having wealth and I exactly. know yeah. that's gonna piss well, you, off someone out Bezos, there. Bezos, I know you'll be listening. Um, but like, you have that much power, like 
You're gonna stop on someone, even inadvertently. Yeah. Like I'm gonna help everyone by forming damage control. Or here, Quinn and Beck's a little crazy, so this tech's still useful. So I'm gonna take it and still use it while firing him. Yeah. I mean, like he didn't do relationship with everyone. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's not just Peter dealing with Tony's demons. It's Peter dealing with the fact that like what the big boys are doing is affecting like people on a smaller level and him trying to make that right. And here, the other point I want to make with people complaining that Tony Stark creates these villains, it's not like these villains are going after Peter Parker because they know his connection with Tony Stark. Yeah. Peter Parker is getting in their way himself. No one's like telling him to. Because he has a sense of responsibility to take them on. He's doing it himself. It's he still has his own agency. Yeah. And these villains are going after him because of the decisions he's making. Yeah. And he's not making those because of Iron Man specifically. Yeah. Iron Man specifically asks him in, in Homecoming to not, not to go be. after Vulture. Yeah. Or like like and so this is Peter acting off of his own impulses and him looking for what he thinks is right. Trying um, to do he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. He's trying to do what he thinks is right. Yeah. yeah. And it leads to the consequences of these two. Uh, different individuals, Vulture in the first movie, yeah. Mysterio in this one, getting really pissed but off with him. speaking of Peter's relationship to, to Tony and villains as well, what about Peter's relationship to Quentin in this movie? At least in the first half before it's revealed oh, that man. he is faking it. It, I builds, like it. it builds really well. Um, it almost He's trying to fill in the void of Tony yeah. Stark, man. And yeah. you can tell the entire time, just by like the types of conversations he's having, mm-hmm. the line he says when they're sitting on the rooftop after uh, Talos Fury yeah, yeah, yelled at him. Um, yeah. He went, like when he says, it's nice to have someone to talk to about this stuff because he doesn't have Iron Man around anymore yeah. to trust with this stuff. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, just, he's feeding insecurity into him too. Yeah. Where he's talking about like the glasses and like, oh, you don't have to be like him. You don't have to be like him. Why should you have those glasses, Peter? Maybe someone else. He's feeding that insecurity. And I love what they did filmmaking-wise. When Gyllenhaal puts on the glasses, they have his hair done in a way. He kind of looks like Downey a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Like just in that, I feel like that's where that arc crescendos. Yeah. In that moment where you like sense, oh, this is the next Tony Stark. Yeah. That's people, what this has been building. People to. question like why Peter is so quick to trust a guy that he met so quickly, but he's seen this dude do all these fantastic things that he himself can't do. And he already is so insecure about his own like ability as a hero or his own ability to fill in that void. He's scared, he's insecure. It's not that he trusts Beck that fully. It's that he trusts Beck to a, to a degree, but he also is dealing with all this loss and all this grief and all this like sense of like self like like self worthlessness that he can't think clearly yeah, yeah. that's why his spider sense isn't working throughout this movie either which is you know kind of like Raimi spider-man 2 granted but it's that thing where you have where you it's that thing where you have like um he's losing kind of his his grip on things because everything around him he's is not falling performing down. at his peak level because He's inundated by a lot. People want to act like this Peter doesn't have consequences, but he's lost his mentor figure. He can't have a normal life. He keeps pushing people away. He can't establish any sense of stability. He's constantly moving from one place to another. Just because he isn't like comically down in the dumps and always missing the last drink on the tray doesn't mean that he's not like, he's not going through shit. Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Jacob. Oh, um... I was gonna say like uh, now might be a good time to talk about like what they did with the music 
like specifically. Oh yeah, you, you go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, no, Thank you, no, Jacob. No, no, but like if you want to. Oh, you want? Yeah, 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 Jacob's handing it off to me because I'm, I'm handing I'm handing the baton to you. You're the music man. Because I'm the I'm the re- I'm the right, resident yeah. music man. You go ahead, I, I'm not. They're acting like they don't also play instruments. <laughs> I okay. Do, I do. I know. Okay. Anyway, the point is, um, again, I I have to preface any any thing I say about like Spider-Man contract soundtracks after Raimi by saying it's not Elfman. I really do like Elfman's soundtrack in that movie, but. This again, there was a shift some at some point in the MCU. I can't point it out, but it's where like people started paying more attention to like motif and using the music more effectively and using it like the way music should be used. I like that in this movie. Again, it's not perfect. It's not to the degree that I'd like it to be, that I've seen it in other movies, not even talking superhero movies, just yeah. movies in general, where I've seen soundtrack utilization. But there's some great motivic ideas getting carried throughout this movie. We have Mysterio's scene, which is there present at the very beginning when he first shows up, when he's fighting a quote-unquote Hydra man. You have that theme. It returns, and it's like this heroic and bombastic yes. thing. But the yeah. way that it's constructive intervallically, I guess, is that it's very easy to kind of like twist the mode and ma- switch it from like one like happier major to something like a like a Lydian or a minor that's more like kind of a, a sadder tone or more of an evil kind of twisted tone. There's a there's a way that it's constructed and I can't get deep into it because I'm not big into music theory. Like I'm not like like I, I know enough to get me by. But the way that it's constructed, it leaves enough space to kind of like shift it about. That's Giacchino, baby. Giacchino will approach Film score goat scout is by the time he's done. I am yeah. calling that now. I'm calling that now, and I know good. that when we do whatever we do, uh, that the uh, uh, well, uh, the Batman episode, oh, okay. I know I'm gonna be. I hope I'm gushing over it. I hope it's really good. I hope his score um, the night is good in this one. Yeah, that's true. Wait, what? Is he doing the music? For he's doing movie? the music for that movie. Another theme that I think is used really well. It's kind of just a cutesy like thing, but I like that motif. Is the one being used for MJ and Peter? Oh yeah, the um, relationship theme. I like that yeah, relationship yeah. theme. I like that there are motifs being actively used in this movie. It's not, it's not to like, like I said, it's not to an extreme extent. No. It's still not Elfman, but like, or like prime Elfman, I should say, because, <laughs> but like, it's approaching like that, that integration that I want to see. And also, I've just got to say that the Spider-Man main theme is really growing on me by this point in this <laughs> film. Yeah. Yeah. Like people, I, so, like I, I honestly think it's it's close for me. It's like really close. It's getting close. It's getting it's closer. Getting closer. It's, it's getting closer, closer to the Elfman yeah. theme. I'm not saying I'm not discrediting Elfman. That theme is phenomenal. It it's is iconic. Absolutely nostalgic. And we he talked about it. Monumental. Yeah. This is still really good though. And contrary to the Amazing Spider-Man movies, we're actually seeing motivic use here, and I like that. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? I mean, to that specific thought, no. To the usage of music, I mean, I. I mean, I can't explain it as eloquently as you just yeah. did. I mean, but, but listen, listen. I'm putting it together as best as I can. I'm still using generalities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that if my music like major friends or music theory friends would listen, they'd be like, okay, okay. Let me deconstruct your argument. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, not going to act like it was a perfect analysis, but yes, continue. No, the, the theme for Mysterio, the way you talked about it, I mean, that transition that happens at the mid-way point. Yeah where it turns into a villainous, ominous thing. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah. And it just fades into the background and it captures you as an audience because you're like, oh, this is the same exact character because you're hearing the same motifs in the background of yeah. it. So you realize, and Jake Gyllenhaal's performance sells this too. Yeah. Like there's a lot of complexity in Mysterio if you're really thinking about it. He yeah. goes from this really heroic guy 
who the audience has to trust as a potential re uh, replacement for Tony Stark. Yeah. And he turns into this really terrifying villain who's willing to kill anyone to get what he wants. <laughs> Completely unstable. Unstable. That man is crazy. Oh, it was a, it was a Dylan Hall was having fun with this. Yeah. Like, like, he 80 was... turn in the movie. Yes. He didn't even let like, the audience like take in the fact that he got the glasses. Like in literally the same scene. Yeah. He's just like, I'm a villain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's that scene when we watched because we watched this together in 2019 oh, when that scene, when that happened in the theater that exposition scene where he explains what was going on my mind was blown because i'm like, I like they connected to mcu stuff i'm like oh these are loose threads and they somehow brought them back they in. brought the random dude from, from iron, iron man one back the kid from christmas story i don't know the actor's name but that's uh oh, is that? no. the little kid from christmas story no it's not yes it is he shot his eye out though yeah he did no but that can't be him he has both eyes <laughs> that's a breaking continuity <laughs> but put him in a funny he was in that scene in iron man one it's not like they retconned it in like oh having him play that character now no he played that character in 2008 or 7 whenever they yeah. filmed it which is insane the level of detail yeah. and care that kevin feige yeah. and everyone else in charge of marvel yeah. louis desposito uh, Victoria Alonso, all the head guys at Marvel um, have put into the yeah. MCU. It's easy to kind of get into the into the rhythm. And again, I, again this is kind of getting the MCU thing. Because yeah. I know we'll probably never do a full MCU no. recap podcast. There's, it's impossible. It's literally impo impossible at this <laughs> yeah. point. But something I want to say is that like people, I feel like, undermine the level of artistry required to make something like the MCU. Yes, sometimes it can be formulaic. And sometimes that formula is harmful to some of the artistry that can be created. Like I've said in the past, there are moments that you can really expand upon. And even within these movies that are kind of hindered by the fact that this has to be connected to like 20 other movies. Mm -hmm. But there's still some really great stuff happening. And there's an overarching story be being told that's being adjusted, that's being like, it's being like moved in a way that's believable, but that is also relatable and you have characters that you can connect to. And yeah, sometimes things like cinematography are better in other movies than yeah. in, like in some movies than in others. Yes, I think absolutely. that at least when it comes to cinematography, I think that Raimi's movies and even amazing Spy the Amazing Spider-Man movies have done some more creative stuff than what we've seen in these MCU Spider-Man movies. I'd say the action movies. cinematography, we'll probably discuss this a bit, yeah. We talk about the action sequences in the movie yeah. um but the action uh, cinematography in this movie is actually really good yeah but when we're talking like like every day like every day just the dialogue like, the dialogue it's yeah. a lot of mid shot shot reverse shot and yeah it can get yeah not, like there is something lost but there's not it's not like devoid of value there's still so many cool things happening here. yeah and like with Mysterio, like, yeah, I, like I said, maybe I'm not as big of a fan of that interconnectivity, but that's a cool thing to include in there. And it rounds off this character and it makes him feel deeper. So you're not just throwing some random dude in, developing him quick and then, quote unquote, killing him off. You know what I mean? Another thing to talk about with Mysterio in respect to the reveal scene. And this connects back to what they did with Vulture at Homecoming to the group. Yeah. They redefined the character. Yeah. So like Vulture in the comics is completely different from what they did in Homecoming. Yeah. In Homecoming, he becomes a Calvager who's going yeah. after. Blue collar worker. Blue collar worker who's going after spare parts from all the superhero battles. And, you know, that's completely different from what he was in the comics. Mysterio as well in the comics, Mysterio stage is magician. a stage magician who has mastered that craft 
and uses that to make illusions and fool people. And he, he does that because he's kind of like into like low level crime to an extent, or at least from what I remember petty, from bunch of petty yeah, crime. From what I remember from uh, the '90s animated Spider-Man series, it was a lot of like, oh, it's like some. He was on some Scooby Doo level shit, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, he's totally <laughs> Scooby Doo. I would not be shocked if Mysterio was based off like the villains from Scooby Doo. I would have to look into that. <laughs> but getting to it, they they transform Mysterio for a modern audience. Yeah. They made him a VFX uh, expert, yeah. and they even have him wear the mocap suit, which is hilarious. Which is hilarious. I love that. Um, it's great. I wonder. I wonder if they had that costume design in, in, in specific, or if like, like, like from the beginning, or if after a few days of filming, they were just like, "Yo, Jake, how would you feel about just wearing that?" Just like <laughs> <laughs> straight, straight up. I'm sure it wasn't like that, but I probably, he might have preferred, preferred that than wearing the heavy ass Mysterio costume he has to in some scenes. Um, but getting back to it. They keep the essence of the character, though, despite the change into a yeah. VFX artist. And the same thing they did with the Vulture. They kept the yeah. essence of that character. There's an essence of the character they keep. And they did the same thing with Mysterio. Also talking about Mysterio. Which, we... it, it's been brilliant in these Spider-Man yeah. movies. They're not tied to the Spider-Man comics religiously. They're adapting this stuff yeah. to a modern audience. Same thing with the high school stuff. Yeah. It's not the same as it was in the 60s. High school's changed a lot in the last 60 yeah. years. Yeah. Really quick before we hit, like, another big thing I want to talk about, Mysterio, you did mention the high school cast. Yeah. I really do still enjoy them here. I think I really like this high school cast. I love Flash Thompson. This rendition of Flash Thompson is growing on me. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think it works for what they're trying to do in this series. Is he my favorite? Still no. I'm still adamant about the fact that my favorite Flash Thompson is Amazing Spider-Man Flash. But this is a good Flash. I like how he works with the cast. I like the cast in general. I like Ned's connection with Betty in this movie. I like how that's kind of played for a running gag. It's what like, I didn't like about the Ned-Betty thing is it felt like a way Ned's kind of sidelined in this movie. He had a bigger role in that first movie yeah. with like the story implied. He's definitely getting sidelined. Yeah, we'll see how it is in this next movie. But in this one, he kind of got sidelined. Yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Jacob. sidelined like MJ and... Oh, MJ, MJ, MJ was a lot better him. Again, I no, wanted like a new movie. Oh, and the newer yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The newer one. I really wanted MJ to be more in Homecoming because then I feel like the transition to like what we're seeing in this movie would be that much more believable. I don't hate it, but if she would have been more present in that first movie and then we'd get more of this shift, I feel like we'd hear less complaints about that dynamic. Because I really like that the dynamic between those two in this movie. It's very awkward. It's sweet. It's a high school romance. A high school romance, guys. Portrayed exactly. right. They're awkward to the right level. Yeah, it's yeah. Not I, will not hear, I will not hear complaints about the relationship between these two after rewatching the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Dunstan McGuire, it sucks. I'm sorry. That's yeah. the worst. Stone, Andrew movies. Garfield, and Zendaya and Tom Holland have way better chemistry than yeah. Kristen Dunst and McGuire. Oh, yeah. Literally, the worst aspect of those Raimi movies is Mary and Jane. You can bite me, but it's Mary it's Jane. Mary Jane, 100. Mary Jane is mishandled. That character can be done so much better. Yeah. Jacob, what's your thoughts on uh, MJ in this movie? Um, I, I, I do like what they do with the like with MJ in the yeah. movie. Um. I mean, I, I don't really have too many thoughts uh, mm -hmm. about uh, just, like, the character in specific. I, I think, like, uh, they show – I mean, like, she's more quirky and, you know, like, more um, – she's a high schooler, you know? Like, she's she's making, like, these, these jokes and remarks that 
come out of nowhere. You know, yeah. like that's what most people do nowadays. You yeah. know, I think most high schoolers like they just throw shit at a wall and then like yeah. hope that something sticks. Man, not just high school. That's me. Exactly. Like, no, that's me. You know. <laughs> so like it, it makes it. It's a lot more believable. These characters feel like high schoolers. All of them. Yeah. Um, to a degree, obviously not yeah. entirely. You know, yeah. since they're like twenties, they're in their twenties. Yeah, and others always like when it comes to movies, there's never gonna be that perfect encapsulation of what high school actually is. Yeah. There's always gonna be a simulacra to it. There's yeah. always gonna be an element of it that's not really anything that ever existed in reality. Doesn't ruin it though. I don't think it yeah. ruins it. I definitely think this is handled well. Like just um. Uh, like I think, like the I, I had problems like originally with like the continuation of her character from Homecoming to this. Not think I didn't think like it was as um, fluid as as I like yeah like you know, yeah. this time around. But yeah, like should have been more. She should have been more in Homecoming. I think she should have been, she been mo- more in Homecoming. But like you can, I feel like even even though she wasn't in Homecoming as much as uh, like some of us might have wanted her to be yeah. like uh the continuation of her character like unlike as uh, like from I'm like the first watching of these two movies i think it's a lot better um than i like i remembered it being yeah you know what I'm saying? yeah i think it would have been interesting to have mj kind of like interact more with liv in that first movie or liz, liz sorry, yeah liz in that first movie or have peter kind of talk like talk to her about liz and you kind of see this budding romance or this budding friendship i feel like that would have been really fun yeah, i would yeah. i feel like we haven't really had a relationship though in these movies where it's been as fluid of a transition as I've wanted it to be though, to be a hundred percent fair. I do feel like Emma and Andrew in the Amazing Spider-Man as less as much as I love what their dynamic transforms into, the way that they get into that relationship, I think is a little hard to believe at times. Same with uh Kristen and Toby. But like at the end, at least for two of those relationships, I think it turns into something yeah. that's really genuinely good. And while we're talking about the high school cast, and before we get back to Mysterio, because I wanted to talk about the illusion yes. scene next, which is, oof. Ooh, yeah. we got to talk about that. But since we're talking about the high school cast, we got to talk about the teachers. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's where I was going to go. J.B. Smooth was a great addition to the yes, cast. He yeah. works off well with Martin Starr, who's returning yeah. in this movie as Mr. Harrington. The cuck lord. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so, he deserves better, man. Hashtag oh, Mr. Harrington deserves better. Oh, man. Honestly, Mr. Harrington gives you some of the best laughs in this movie. Uh, but my personal favorite is the one I think Jonathan's referring to yeah. when Peter's sitting next to him on the plane and he's talking about how his wife faked her blipping or snapping away. Yeah. <laughs> and they held a funeral and everything and she did it so she could run off with someone else. I think it was I like mean, her tennis coach or something. Yeah. It, was something it was something real white. It was something real white. Yeah, I love those two characters. I like how, how I love the bit parts that they play. Yeah. I think JB Smooth is really funny here. Uh, a classic JB Smooth form. He takes an ambient on that freaking airplane flight and just passes the hell out. Um, I, just, I like the dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. I love that scene at the end of the final action scene where he's like, No, don't you drag me into this. It's like, Julius! Help! <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just for comedic effect, but I feel yeah. like they're a lot. Like the, those characters are. I don't know why. There's a bit I, of heart added. Through there's them, a heart added. Things. There's heart added through them, but they just. I feel like sometimes they're just like so stupid. It's unbelievable. You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes, but like, yeah, sometimes. but like, like, but yeah, I like those two. I like yeah, the dynamic. Yeah. They're, like I said, 
doesn't have to be like a perfect interpretation no, of what school is really like. I like that they're there and I like that we have teacher characters in these movies that are kind of like present because we haven't seen that in the other Spider-Man movies. So that's a unique aspect of it. Like Hannibal in the first one, now we have JB in this one. We yeah. still have, what's his name again? Star? Martin, Martin Star. Martin Star. I like that dynamic. But moving from that back to Mysterio, I really, really, really want to talk about that illusion scene because my God, that is a spectacular mm -hmm. scene. I, I mean, like it's just visually stunning, yeah, yeah. thematically rich. It's like this idea of you have this is this is something I wanted a mm -hmm. lot more in this movie. To that truth motif really comes into fruition in this last third, and we kind of get a little bit of it in the first act. Yeah. But in this last third, starting with this illusion scene, that idea of mysterious or truth, I control what people believe. People will believe what I say. And then this creation of the yeah. illusion. And the visuals are stunning. And I yes, love so many of like the psychedelic moments they have, like zooming in on the spider's eyes and the eyes become the fishbowl head. Um, also, I just love this, how comic book accurate Mysterio's design is. But I mean, yes. I mean that's just kind of like a little Because the rest of that illusion scene is just like. Yeah, but like you said, like you're referring to, um, it's not just that they're showing breathtaking visual effects that artists probably poured hundreds of hours into yeah and they're not compensated fairly enough i'm just gonna say that shout out to the creatives out there who aren't getting their money's worth <laughs> vfx artists you guys need a union uh, <laughs> so do you animators animators and, yeah. no, I think animators have a union right? do they and it, they're still getting treated like shit. they are but they do. unionize the unions combine <laughs> combine the unions um yeah. but kick jet eat eat the rich <laughs> yeah but besides because there's tons of movies that come out nowadays that are visually stunning the lion king that tech demo yeah which which, which is <laughs> what I, impressive tech demo it's a great tech demo but they don't do anything new with that story there is nothing behind there's nothing eyes. behind it there's no thematic richness <laughs> yeah. to use the term there's nothing behind those lion eyes except for freaking childish gambino yeah. <laughs> yeah, lion king no visually show. is the most impressive animated movie ever made yeah because that's what that's what it technically is live action yeah. like but still freaking all but still it's, it's it's vapid it's missing something yeah like you can have all the effects in the world and it can fall flat on his face but in this mysterio sequence you're getting the crux of the movie and the crux of the movie is peter trying to balance his life trying to live up to tony stark because you get that scene within the sequence where mysterio yeah. has him visualize the grave of tony stark yeah. and then iron man coming up like half just the half play point of the yeah. torso and the skeleton and the mask i mean that's just visually yeah. but it's it deals with the arc peter's going through which is am i good enough or how am i going to fill in this void that has been left yeah am i going to be able to save mj if she gets in danger yeah there's all there's all this fear that's being grappled with it feels like it feels like those uh, those sequences in Arkham Asylum where uh, where Batman gets a hit of like the the Scarecrow toxin. It feels like that. Yeah, it's just yeah. a run through of his fears. Um, but yeah, it's just all of that combined. I love that line that Mysterio says at the end. I wrote it down here because I feel like it's just so worth yeah. about. It's easy to fool people if they're already fooling themselves. He says that to Peter. Peter is already kind of like in this in this point of insecurity, not knowing what he needs to be, trying to be something that he's not, and failing miserably. He's fooling himself 
already. He's fooling himself that he can't be the person that he is already or that he isn't enough. And Mysterio is taking advantage of that. And that's so cool to me. I love that moment. There are literally little blink and you miss it lines in any movie that will redefine what's happening. And I feel like that's yeah. one of them. It's such an amazing moment. Like, come on, guys. Jacob, come do you have on. anything to add about this illusion sequence? Um, I mean, I mean, dude, it's just so dope. I'm, I'm like, God, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Like yeah. they, they literally, they went all out. The VFX yeah. artists, they went all out in this scene. Um, and uh, like the setup and everything. I, yeah. I love like the setup and the story. How like Nick Fury just happens to freaking. It's not really Nick Fury, obviously, but yeah. he just happens to pick up Peter Parker, yeah. know exactly where he is. You know, bring him to like. Uh, he brings him to the 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 uh, headquarters at uh. Whatever. It's not even Shield anymore, but it's like yeah. kind of like a branch at this yeah. at, at this point yeah. in the, in the um, universe. Uh, yeah. But like, I just I just love the just love that whole scene, bro. Like yeah. the setup to 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 him just like freaking messing with Peter Parker the entire time, yeah. and then eventually making him hit, get himself hit by the train. Yeah. Like, and so what if there are no practical effects in this moment? Like I am the bro, biggest proponent. I'm sorry. I'm the British. I know. I know. I shouldn't be bringing this up because yeah, you guys it. all know what I'm referencing. Yes. yes. Yeah. I am the first big. I'm like the biggest. Like we we we've we've tried upon this when we were talking about the Raimi movies because I love that the way that the tentacles are half practical, half CGI. There are some times where I really, really, really miss practical, and there are moments like that in the MCU. This is not one of those moments. Like, I would like more practical, but this is one of those moments that I feel works best when it's completely, like, a generated space, when it's a dreamscape entirely. Like, look, VFX are getting so good that at this point, I mean, most things look if, good. Yeah. But if the you important the aspect, you need the story basis for it. If you build a good story yeah. around those effects, I can buy into it. Yeah. Even if it's not perfect vfx i can buy into it if you're telling a compelling story where the character's arc is being serviced by what's going on yeah. on the screen yeah there has to be that there has to be a heart behind it there has to be a high a high level of technique and mastery yeah. of the equipment which is being shown beautifully in this scene it's an insane sequence it's one of it stands out in the mcu it is a sequence that is like completely marvelous it's like that one marvelous thing scene kind of thing. yes yes that's how good it is it's like such a unique moment that grapples with so many of these cool ideas it's what i would have wanted the scarlet witch moments in age of ultron to be this level of like surrealness and kind of like messing with the person that you're like like in like whose dome you're inside of essentially i love that um but yeah the one final scene i want to talk about before we get to the to the setup sequence for no way home yeah because we have to obviously talk about that obviously um i want to talk about firstly well john favreau we haven't mentioned at all when talking through the cast and then specifically the scene on the plane we need to talk about where peter reaches the end of his arc in this movie because that's the end of his arc. Two, two best scenes in the movie we just mentioned both uh the freaking visual thing like yeah. that uh, with the train you know like the illusion yeah right and then this scene yeah. with him on the jet t- talking to happy you have spectacle followed by heart yeah exactly. and that is something that is it's like, great it's great it's the it's the culmination of peter's arc because he's finally found someone in happy hogan who he can confide in 
what he's going through, yeah. what what he's feeling, because he hasn't yeah. told anyone what he's really feeling. And who better to talk about this than, than Happy, who knows Tony Stark, who is probably, but with the exception of like Rhodey and Pepper, like the close, like one of the closest people to Tony, like throughout his life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And basically, the scene just acts as Happy reassuring uh, Peter that he doesn't have to fulfill. Yeah. What Tony Stark? Tony was. couldn't even film yeah, what Tony could, Stark was. Yeah, Tony Stark became a statue, or like, what do I want to say? Like, he became an ideal that he wasn't even actually, you know? Yeah, he wasn't even he, that great. Yeah, like he had he, so many flaws. Yeah. <laughs> but he he tried doing the right thing, and that's yeah. the most important thing at the end yeah. of the day when you're trying to, you know, be a hero in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being, um, I love how it's the scene is like, okay, be your own person. Yeah. You know, he's already not trying to be Iron Man. He's trying yeah. to be his own person. But at this point, what his arc at this point is, is you don't have to literally fulfill what Iron Man was to this world. Be what you are best at for the world. Yeah. And yeah. what I love about the scene, I know another thing, and I another thing that we that people talk about here, what yeah, is um like Peter having like all this access to all this high tech is kind of contrary to that like belief of like this working class low level hero. Right. But that scene where he's creating his own suit is invaluable to me mm -hmm. because it's his own suit. He's making it. The first suit from Homecoming is literally called like it like uh, it's referred to as the Stark suit. It's mm -hmm. not his technically. Yeah, it's him living up to Tony. It's in it, like all these things that are integrated into it are things that Tony thinks that Peter needs. Peter is creating a suit for himself. He's taking hold of his own destiny. He's picking what he needs. He's finding what is best suited for him. This is a great like this is a symbolic scene, and I feel like if you just look at it at the level of like well, Spider Man should have like all oh, this high tech shit. It's like, yeah. yeah, okay. But there's still, Peter's glowing through it. His personality, his intelligence, his ability to think on his feet. Now he's like kind of carving his own path yes. forward independent. Yes. What if ACDC is playing in the background? What if it's still a little like Iron Man? He's putting his own spin on it and he's yeah. moving further and further away from that idea and finding ways to fight against threats in like like the, the manner he sees fit. And it's not, it's different because the first suit that he gets at Homecoming is designed by Tony Stark and given yeah. to him. What he's doing here is he he's using the tools Tony left behind, obviously, yeah. still. But what he's doing, he's designing his own suit. So it's the equivalent of, I don't know, like a carpenter having part of like a project cut up, but then they have to shape it and like make yeah. it look visually great and it's important to know that peter is not a fan like a massive fan of everything tony has given him he doesn't want edith he gives up edith essentially yeah. puts that shit away yeah. put it in a box it does it's not for him like it's not like he's taking all of this like i love the meme i love those memes where it's like talking about and again bringing no way home in there's this shot from um uh at heaven's gate i think is what yeah. it's called where willem dafoe played vince uh vince Vincent Van Gogh is looking up to the sky in absolute horror. And my one of my favorite memes online is like Norman Osborn witnessing as a <laughs> as, as as MCU Spider-Man calls a drone strike on him. <laughs> but it's like Peter isn't using those drones anymore. Like I love the meme. Don't get me wrong, but like he's rejecting parts of this because it doesn't fit who he is. So like, yeah. yeah. 
Look up, look up that meme, please. That meme's please. hilarious. Look it up. It's it, it's one of my favorites. Online. All right. <laughs> Any final thoughts on the body of this film before we get to the very very end? Oh, it? great final action sequence. I think one of my favorites. Yes. Is, with with the exception again of maybe like Raimi two, just because of like. Well, the train scene in Raimi 2, this might be my favorite Spider-Man mm -hmm. live action uh, action scene. Yes, it's only against drones, but the way that he's fighting, the way that he's kind of like using the environment to his advantage, great. Uh, one last thing I wanted to also hate is kind of like the way that the blip is handled in, this, in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. In retrospect, it's not as good as it is in like some of Marvel's later projects. But I think also because of that, I can kind of like turn a blind eye to it or kind of like be like, okay... This is a bunch of high schoolers reacting to it. This is Peter Parker's story. I get that you don't want the blip to be that big of a deal. And I mean, later on, we have we have like WandaVision. We have, um, I don't know what else. Does Hawkeye deal with it? I no, no, it hasn't. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon deals, and the Winter Soldier. You have a lot of these like Marvel projects that de diving deeper into that. So I don't mind that it's kind of Hawkeye put to the does side kind of, of deal with it with like Ronin and stuff like that. Oh, well, that's also yeah, true. that's true. But yeah, the, it's been dealt with better, and I think it could have been dealt in this movie better. But I'm also glad that there wasn't another major thing to juggle in this movie. I agree because it would have it would have been too much. It's already juggling a lot, and yes, it makes it through, at least in my eyes, more or less unscathed. But like that would have been one thing too many. I think. Jacob, yeah. any final thoughts on anything in this movie? In the body of the movie, I guess. Mm, no, I mean not really. Uh... I don't, I don't really have it. Why are you always going to put me on the spotlight? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, hey, Jacob's like, oh, I, I concur. Jacob, oh, this is cubed, man. We need all three Ruben, thoughts. This is, we decided to make this podcast on the day I finished finals. I am burnt the hell out. <laughs> you think I really want to talk about this movie for an hour? No, but I'm here. All right, I'm trying. That's how much of a professional Jacob Kiros is. Yeah, if yeah, if Jacob puts this on a resume at some point, I'd just like to say he's a great hard worker. He puts in the hours. He's a very intelligent young man. He's made into into several colleges already. Hire Jacob Kiros. There's definitely nothing in this podcast. Don't look deeper that you could count on. <laughs> he never said anything. So he never said so anything wrong about uh, about the uh, about any conflicts in Turkey or anything like that. Definitely. <laughs> don't look back through the episode and look for that. <laughs> Definitely never said anything bad about Turkey. Never spoke illy upon Turkey. The Turkish people are great. Yes. <laughs> right. I, just, I just had to vent for a second. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jacob, I was a high schooler once. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And so is Peter. So is Peter. Peter's a high schooler. Peter's a high schooler who has to deal with what happens in the post credit scene of this movie. Yes. Oh, awesome. Are you popular at mock-up? Because that was one hell of a segue, <laughs> baby. That's funny. <laughs> I get it. I get it, I get it bro. Because he, he rides a segue. Don't patronize me, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Not in front of the Americans. So Mysterio, Mysterio loses to Peter. And in his final act of dickery. Yeah, what an ass. What an asshole. <laughs> he decides to reveal Peter Parker's identity by sending the footage to the MCU's Alex Jones, who is... <laughs> <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson. Also, all hail J.K. Simmons. I'm so yes. glad he's back. Yes. I am so glad he's With back. With the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> we talking about the haircut. We're not talking about the haircut. Hey, no, we talking about the haircut. We're talking about the haircut. Bro, are you kidding me? It looks like he's balding. <laughs> well, he's balding. Yeah, I was about to say, it's more But it looks like his headlining went all the way back here, bro. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That's the, that's the way. <laughs> okay? It doesn't look like it's That's the Alex Jones look. Man, go shave the whole thing. Go 
LeBron James treatment. LeBron James treatment, bro. That's what he has. You know, his hairstyle kind of looks like dad's. We're cutting that. <laughs> We're cutting that. It's okay. No one knows how Ruben Kiro Sr. looks like. Don't look at Literally don't, don't everyone that is going to listen to this podcast <laughs> knows how a dad looks like. That's true. That's fair. That's Jesus fair. Christ. He's not wrong. But we digress. This is <laughs> I just it's a great final scene. Definitely the Alex Jones of this universe. And I just love how Mysterio had contingency upon contingency upon contingency. And how Mysterio has gone from a Tony Stark villain at this point to his Peter Parker Spider-Man villain. He's actively trying to ruin this kid's life and be like, yo, no, you're not taking that spot. You're not going to be as big of a hero as you want to be. You're not going to be able to do the things that you want to do because I'm a petty MF and I'm going to ruin your life. And I love that. I love that this moment is also the first, this is like, People, okay, again, with the consequences, this is the first actual, like, massive consequence that Peter Parker has to face. He's faced small high school level things, like, in the past throughout these two movies. He is about to enter the most difficult chapter in his life thus far, and I can't wait to see what it looks like in T-minus, like, an hour. We are running out of goddamn time. We're going to wrap this up. All right. We're going to get to IMAX. (laughs) Yeah, I am so pumped. It's honestly one of the greatest sequel setups the MCU has ever done. Yeah. Because it just leaves you asking so many questions. What's going to happen next? How can you explore this character as Spider-Man in a way that's never been explored before? You reveal his identity. You take that away from him. Yeah. And then you tell a story and you see where that goes and how all the characters in his life react to the news if they didn't know or how all the people close to him try to comfort him when he's dealing with that granted i would have also liked to see a smaller movie with like craven and scorpion like they were talking about and maybe even tie uh um um liz back into it make her like some type of like she can come back she can come back but i'm saying like i i would have liked a smaller story but from what i'm hearing about this movie it still deals with these themes very well and i'm excited to see what a multiverse live action multiverse movie is gonna look like. And I'm hoping we get smaller with Spider-Man after this, obviously, but I'm just super excited for this. All right, final scores for Spider-Man Far From Home. All right, um, I'm gonna have to say, I'm I'm gonna give it a uh, seven and a half, seven and a half out of 10. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I thought you had like a No, 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 just because like, the thing about this movie is that it does kind of feel like an ordinary superhero movie at times. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that one thing with Marvel is that they go through this, like, three-act structure, you know, always, like, there's this, this impetus at the beginning of the movie, there's some hardship that the character goes through, and then at the end, there's always, like, this final battle, this huge final battle with, like, the villain yeah. and all that stuff. Like, I just, I just yeah, wish yeah. that they, they did something a bit different at times. Yeah. And, like, this is one of the cases because, like, um, like, besides the the action and all that being good i think like like we said before and like even i think early on in the podcast it's just like they don't develop the characters as much as i would have liked them to develop the characters i mean like i definitely think like peter parker deals with that responsibility a little bit more again and all that yeah but peter like, parker partakes in predicaments exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> but like um like other the other characters like what we were say like Ned mm-hmm. and MJ they I mean they, yes they do develop in a way but like they're not 
they're kind of like off to the side. I think more, yeah. more of this movie, they're not. They're just kind of like they just feel like side characters uh, that are just. I mean, they're because they're part of the high school trip. You yeah. know what I mean? I I'd say MJ feels like a more entwined character to yeah, what's going really, on in yeah. this movie. She's kind of taken the place of Ned, unfortunately, in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Ned's been pushed to the sidelines. He has the little bit parts, just like MJ did in the first movie. We haven't really gotten a movie yet where they were both. Yeah, Which they I'm both hoping, have their moments. I'm hoping there's something like that for everyone in this new movie. Ruben, uh, do you have a score for this movie? I, like I said, this is one of my favorite live action Spider Man movies. It might actually be my second favorite live action Spider Man movie. I'm gonna okay. give this one slightly higher than Spider Man Two. I'll go eight point seven out of ten. Dang. Oof. For me, I would also ag- agree with Jacob. I put it at a seven or seven and a half. There are a lot of great things happening in this movie, but similarly, you guys know what I said during The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I feel like there are storytelling potentials that you can really grip onto when you're not making a movie just because it's like another entry in a saga. And I know it's an epilogue, but there's some things that I think could have been done even better in this movie. Uh, I think there are a lot of things that are really working, though. A lot of things that I really enjoy. A lot of things that I love. A lot of things that are some of my favorite things that I've seen in live-action Spider-Man. Um... This would probably be more of an eight if it wasn't for that Edith scene and the and the scene with the look. It does. It is a rough scene. I don't like it that yeah, much. I mean, don't again. Don't let it ruin the movie for you. Don't let it ruin it MCU Spider Man. Yeah. Do. yeah. Don't okay, let right? it. Don't let it ruin this movie. Don't let it ruin Tom Holland Spider Man because it's a moment in a larger story yeah. and there's a lot of great things happening here and there are a lot of stupid things like that that happen in Raimi Spider Man and in Mark Webb Spider Man and that are. Accept it because there are greater things to be grappled with. Obviously, only a seven or seven and a half if, uh, in my ranking of it. I'd still, for me, I think at this point, Homecoming is my favorite live action, followed by uh, Raimi's two and one, and then Far From Home. Mm-hmm. That could still change, but they're all pretty close together. Yeah. So I, I do enjoy this movie thoroughly. So yeah, seven, seven and a half. All right. And now we are off to watch Spider Man No Way Home after pizza time. Because we need to eat dinner. But yeah. that is not your concern. That is my concern. Uh- <laughs> All right. And we will be back with a full in-depth review and analysis of that movie. Well, as best as we can. Because I can't sneak. I can't write notes in the dark. So, uh, you know. All right. <laughs> It'll be off the dome, baby. Off the goddamn dome, baby. Jacob, I'm going to kill you. Jacob, you better start running, man. You are going to die. Jacob! 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 Turn off the... Turn the...